Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, here on a rainy May 23rd, 2018. We're going to talk about wholesaling, just kind of like the perfect thing for this group. Um, I want to talk a little bit about trade shows, and then I have some questions from KU, who who asked to have this podcast um, answer objections we get from wholesalers and some progress I've made with wholesalers and some steps back and all those things that happen. So I'm going to jump right in with a couple things about finding wholesalers because for many people that is the hardest thing to do is to find find someone to sell stuff to you. Um, I am a firm believer and I'm going to pound on this a thousand times over that your best time and money spent for finding wholesalers is at a trade show. It really is. You can get lists from trade shows that, that will show you all the vendors that are there, but there is nothing that beats that in-person contact with the people involved in the company. Um, for one thing, you can see and touch the products there, which you can't if you're just going off an online list of products. You can see how your personality works with the personality of the company. Um, do you click? Do you get along? Do you guys have the same kind of business and work ethic? Or does something about it just not feel right to you? Those are things that are so important to know about a company that you're going to deal with. You know, what, do you get the feeling when you talk to them that they're going to help you handle any problems you may have with the customer? That's usually important. Um, if you have a customer that gets a product that's missing a part, are they going to customer going to have to send it back and go through all that, or is the company going to help you out and send the missing part to the customer? Um, you need you need your suppliers on your side. You're a team together. You as the retailer, the wholesaler as either the manufacturer, or the distributor. You need them on your side to help you give the best customer service and customer experience you can. And, and talking in person really is the way to do that. So um, for those of you who have been buying wholesale for a while, or if you're brand new at it, I really think you need to make a major goal for this year is to get to a trade show. Um, those who have taken up on it, taken me up on this challenge, who've gone, who were for many reasons, uncomfortable with going. They didn't know if it'd be worth the money. They were, they're a shy introvert and they didn't want to put themselves out in front of people. A lot of people in the group like that, but you know, every single person who's gone has been thrilled that they did. So I think you really, really need to put that on your list to, to do this year sometime. I've got three that I'm going to this year. And I can't wait because it's such an exciting time. Where are you going to see the very latest new products? At a trade show. You aren't going to see them, you know, doing retail arbitrage. You're going to see them at a trade show before they ever get to retail arbitrage. So you need to do this, especially if you are traveling for fun. Why not put a trade show at the beginning or the end of the, the pleasure trip? Um, for one thing, then you have part of the expenses can be written off according to what your CPA says. And you've made money on the trip instead of just spending money. Um, I have to say every single trade show I have gone to has been worth it time and money-wise. And traveling from where I live is not an easy thing. So, you know, just getting to the next city is an all-day all thing. So um, no excuses if you live in driving distance of any of them. That's like no excuses. If you live in the city where they're happening, even less excuses. So please... Let's, if you are having trouble finding, finding a show to go to, 
that, you know, you don't know where to start, let's talk about it in the group because um, there's a show for everybody. There really, really is. It may not be a huge show, but there's a show for everybody. And there are giant shows that may help you focus on a niche. Um, the next show I want to go to in 2019 is the National Hardware Show in Las Vegas. Now, it sounds like, oh, yeah, well, I don't have a Home Depot store, so why would I want to go to a hardware show? There is so much more than hardware at the show. If you if you look at, at the people that have exhibited this past year and all that, I'm betting I will find tons of stuff. Even think storage stuff. I sell the crafters. Crafters have to store tons of stuff. It could, if I can find some new storage solutions at a hardware show, well worth it. Um, there's a national travel goods show that's all about stuff people need and want when they travel, from suitcases to purses to journals and pens and jewelry and tons of stuff. There are shows everywhere for everything. So if you're having trouble finding one or don't know how to go about registering for it, where to go, all that, let's talk in the group really because I I do think this is a huge thing that it will give you that kick in the seat that will push your business to the next plateau. So if you're kind of stuck there um, and you don't know how to get out of it, you know, you've got some good selling products, but, you know, you need to kick yourself to go, trade shows a thing for you. So that's my little little preaching, preaching to the choir for a lot of you, but a lot of you really need to take this leap. Um, it, is, it is so worth it. So next thing I want to talk about is um, how do you find the niche to go to the trade show? You know, you have, you have to think, and this is a big thinking. This is a shower thinking. This is driving in the car thinking. You know, what really interests you that also will make a viable Amazon business? Because just because it interests you doesn't mean it will make a viable Amazon business. Um, so you really have to say, what do I enjoy thinking about a lot? What do I enjoy, enjoy handling? What am I excited about when I see something in whatever niche it is? You know, we have people in the group who have niches from um, games to housewares to um, artisan products from certain areas of the world to arts and crafts to hardware. There's all sorts of niches, but I'm a true believer you have to like what you're selling. You have to want to learn everything you can about it. You have to be excited when a shipment comes in that you want to open it up and see it. Um, all of that. Selling stuff that you don't care about that's just a commodity item that, yeah, scan it, processes go. Uh, that's, you know, that's a job. That's not a business. You, know, you have to be excited about your business. So, so that's another thing we can talk about in the group throw around ideas. Um, we've had a couple people come up with niches from way out of left field that they've been really excited about. Um, and just, just to put your thinking cap on, a niche doesn't have to be a particular kind of product, like I'm going to sell jewelry. That's a very good niche. There's a lot of money in jewelry, but it doesn't have to be that way, just jewelry. You could say, well, I'm going to sell handmade things from Mexico. Say, you know, I really like the Mexican culture. I love the art and all that. So jewelry can be part of that, but that leaves you open to exploring all sorts of other things that come from Mexico besides jewelry. You can do that with any, any place in the world. You know, I'm just going to sell Hawaiian stuff. I'm going to sell food primarily that people who've moved from Hawaii can't get here on the mainland. But I'm going to also sell Hawaiian fabrics and books and, and things about Hawaii. You know, the niches are endless, and here's the thing, the, the, the big boys, meaning the people who just process inventory, you know, don't have, don't have the love of a product and can't do the product justice like you can if you really like the niche. Um, you can write far better listings if you know about what you're writing. You can, you'll take better pictures because you enjoy it. You will be excited about shipments coming in, all that. And, you know, this business is hard work, so you've got to make the enjoyment points come out whenever you can. Um, because if you can't, 
it's a lot of work, you know, and, and I am not a, per, a fan of toys. That's, you know, it's not my thing. I don't have kids. I don't have nieces and nephews. So it's, so for me to say, oh, yeah, well, there's tons of money. I'm going to sell toys on Amazon. That would just be, it wouldn't be fun. I wouldn't want to go look for new products. I wouldn't be excited to get a catalog from a supplier that I've never heard of who showed it. No, but, but the stuff I sell, I'm excited about. So I enjoy it. So really, um, we really need to get everybody to have that excitement in the business, which kind of goes to the next point is those of you who don't have any wholesale in your business portfolio yet. Um, it's kind of scary. Just, ju- I'm just saying it's kind of scary because the retail arbitrage rug can get pulled out from under you in the blink of an eye. You may have you know, a great routine of sourcing retail arbitrage at these 20 stores. Um, and let's just assume those stores stays open. You know, they don't do a, a Toys R Us or, or, um, or something similar and just um, die. Let's just assume the stores stay open. What if the brands that you have been sourcing retail arbitrage and doing very well all of a sudden are gated and you can't all you can't sell them anymore because you don't have invoices you have receipts and amazon's not going to do it what happens what happens if you get an ip infringement claim from a brand that you're doing retail arbitrage from and you can't prove that those things are the real thing because just because you bought them from walmart or target or or home depot or whatever that's no proof that those are authentic there is no chain of that you can access to show from you buying it back to the manufacturer because Home Depot and Target isn't going to do that for you. So, so if you're still doing retail arbitrage, I want to say be very careful. But to protect yourself, to protect your business, to protect your future, you have got to move into wholesale. And I don't say you have to stop retail arbitrage and do wholesale immediately, but you have to do something every day that will transition you into sourcing wholesale. I mean, I think it was Kim who posted yesterday about how much time she saves every week since she stopped retail arbitrage and is only sourcing wholesale. I mean, just think of that, not having to get in the car and drive to all the Walmarts and take stickers off and scan and wait in the line and all that. Um, so it may appear, you know, that you think you're making less money, but if you put, uh, tag the hours you're in to how much you are actually making, it may be that you're making more money doing wholesale. I certainly know I am making more money at wholesale than I could ever make retail arbitrage, even with a couple of employees. Um, and I'm talking about making in the end, how much money do I put in my pocket? Cause I don't have to pay the employees. So, um, so I really want to urge everyone, every all 177 people who are in the group, that if you do not have a wholesale account right now, you need to put that at the top of your list before you do anything else to find one. And I'm going to hold you guys to it. You have to find one. It doesn't have to be the be-all and the end-all and the business-saving account, but you have to find one. Because until you find one, you're still stuck in the same place. You're not moving forward with your business. You are not um, building your business in a way that you have any sort of exit strategy, meaning in 10 years, do you still want to be doing this? Maybe not. Maybe you want to be able to sell your entire business that includes your Amazon business as part of it. Um, retail arbitragers can't do that. There, there's no exit strategy for that um, to speak of that you can, you can really count on. Um, so please, we are at the 23rd of the month. By the 15th of June, I really, really want to challenge everybody to find one wholesale source. And I bet you you can find a wholesale source that has a minimum opening order of about $100. I bet you can. Because I bet you I could find one in about five minutes that would let me do that. So take some of that time when you're driving, you, that you spend driving to your retail arbitrage places and put that energy into wholesale because it will pay back in the end far more than that going to that one Walmart will ever pay you back. So um, think of something that you enjoy selling 
um, and start doing your research. I'm going to open up some questions in the group about, well, what do I do now kind of questions, but, but really you have to start somewhere. And I know I harp on this all the time, but guys, really, um, you're paying me to teach you how to build your business and wholesale is the way. I've been preaching this since there were podcasts on him about Amazon when everybody, when retail arbitrage just hit, hit everybody, when Chris Green first published his book, and I was saying, you know, wholesale is the way to go. It's the long-term play. And now more and more people are getting on it. But here's another reason um, that I want you to get started now is how upset would you feel with yourself? Be honest. If you found a really nice supplier of a product that you love, and let's just say the product's not on Amazon anymore, and you put off contacting them, and you put off contacting them, and you put it off, and then all of a sudden their product started showing up on Amazon by, with a third-party seller or even with Amazon. How bad would you feel? You'd say, you'd say to yourself, please, if I'd only just sent that email. Really, um, if you'd only sent that email, you'd have been there. And I have a great case in point. Last week I posted about um, the fact that I was – kind of I'm housebound right now and um, I couldn't I can't do a lot I can't lift or anything so um, so I was looking for more wholesalers and I found a company in a niche that I just started building on it's in the arts and the crafts field um, and it's something I know a little about because I took a class in it in college so I know I know enough to be dangerous and I've been selling one product line that I found at a trade show for about three two or three years and the product line is doing great. I have to reorder every week from them, which is super. Um, and very seldom is there another seller on the Amazon listings. And I've made all the listings myself, so the listings are really good and all that. So, so I'm thinking about this niche, and I said, well, let's find some other names of companies in this niche. Um, and I poked around, and I Googled, and I looked at some online blogs about this niche from people and, and some um, online magazines. There was two about, about this niche. And this one name came coming up that said they had cool products. You know, people really, really liked them and, and all that. So I sent, I sent an um, um, email to them, and I actually posted the email in the group. You can find it there about what I said. It was like two lines of saying, you know, we sell products from XYZ company in this niche. We're interested in adding your products. What do we have to do to open an account? And that was it. Email. Simple, right? Easy, simple, all that. Got an answer back. He wanted to see my store, my online store, and I said, we're online. And I wrote back and said, we use Amazon as our selling platform. Here's a link to my Amazon store. And I have my business name redirect to my Amazon store, so that was easy to give him. And he wrote back and he said, fine, here's the details about opening an account. So as we got further into it about I placed the order and all that kind of stuff, he said he wanted to know how Amazon really worked with third-party sellers. He didn't know the name of them, but he said people like you. And I gave him a brief outline. And he says, okay, good, now I sort of understand. He says, it's interesting. Amazon contacted me a couple weeks ago about selling my products to them. He says, but I said I wasn't interested because he didn't know anything about it, obviously. Well, so now he has the best of both worlds. He has his products on Amazon, and he doesn't have to deal with Amazon. But how bad would I have felt if I'd have waited and waited and waited till somebody else came in and got him first? Um, so right now, I can make all the listings so they can be done well. He supplies all the images. He's got nice white background, white background images that he will supply for me. Um, so really, really good. But here's the thing. You've got to ask. Okay, you've got to ask. The worst thing that someone can say is, no, we're not interested. Okay? And um, that, so what? You know, you'll get a lot of no's. You will. Um, but when the yeses come, they feel really good. And you can feel proud that you are doing something to drive your business forward. That that there is now, so now I'm moving out of just knitting and jewelry making, that kind of stuff, into this other niche, which is not a trendy niche at all, but it's an evergreen niche. It's one that people, you know, they just do all the time. It's not 
hot like adult coloring books, which are now pretty much dead. Um, it's not one of those like uh, trendy, trendy things. It's kind of an evergreen, no peaks or valleys. It's just going to happen all the time. So, so I, I really am a firm believer in just ask. And I like email because I find it really easier to take rejection by email than over the phone. Because um, if you, just, you know, I, I don't know, I just, the phone, I don't love the phone because I don't see body language or anything like that. I love doing it in person at trade shows. That's great. Or email. For me, the phone doesn't work. Other people love the phone. Ron would much rather get on the phone and talk to people than do either one. So whatever works for you. But the, the thing is, you got to make the contact. You can't just sit and wait and assume something will come to you. Because to be honest, I've only ever had one vendor come to me and say, could you sell our products? And that was actually at a trade show. person was sharing a booth with um, a woman I knew. I carried some of her products. They didn't sell well, and I don't carry them anymore, but she's been a friend of mine forever. And they were sharing a booth. And she told him, she kind of like kicked him in the rear and says, you've got to let her sell your stuff. She knows everything about Amazon. You've got to let her sell your stuff. So he did. So that's kind of um, that whole relationship thing being in person. It wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been at that show. And to be honest, I probably would have never carried his product if I hadn't been at the show. It's a book. And he's written one book in a very specialized topic but I sell about 12 copies a week of this book. And they sell for 60-some dollars each a copy. So, yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. Um, so another thing about trade shows, that wouldn't happen if you aren't there in person and have a relationship with people, and you've got to start somewhere. You just have to start. And that is the very hardest part. Um, forgive me, I don't remember who in the group yesterday posted that they got, maybe it was Jennifer, got their first wholesale account. Do you know the floodgates are going to be open now? Because that first one is always the hardest. It is by far the hardest one because you don't know what they're going to ask you. You don't know what you should answer. You don't know what their word, what, what are they saying? All these codes, you know, FOB and all that kind of stuff. You don't, you don't know what any of that means on your first one, right? Well, fortunately, you have the groups. So you can come ask us at any time. Um, that's a big plus. Um, you know, way back before the internet, we had to find out this stuff kind of the hard way, you know, but now you have the group that you can ask and there is no question that anybody is going to laugh at because we all had these questions at one time, you know, that, that we didn't understand how it worked. Um, we didn't understand what they meant. We didn't understand what they want. So please ask us. But that means you've got to go put yourself out there and start contacting people for wholesale accounts. If, if you live in a town or a city that has, um, you know, kind of an industrial area, we even have one of those here in Jackson, believe it or not. You know, we've got, we have some places where people like have their workshop down below and there's space above, live, live above space, um, where there are people who have small businesses. There's like knife makers and um, a company that makes, like, leather gloves. There's another one that makes ski equipment and all that. Maybe drive down your local industrial park and see what's there and jot down some names and think about contacting them, you know, and see. I mean, that's a start. Um, it may not come to anything. It may come to a lot. It may be that you live in a town that is cool enough that you have stuff that people around the world want to buy, and you can find that kind of stuff there. You know, I've kind of debated about starting a Jackson Hole website where I sell all sorts of stuff from Jackson, but um, um, I haven't gotten that far. I'm still still working on the craft niche. But, you know, it's an idea. If you live in a place with a national park or whatever, um, there may be lots of things you can do. Um, we have a store here in town called Made. I'll give you the name of it because you can dig into it. It's all artisan products locally made in Jackson. Everything from jewelry to stationery to pottery to glass to, you know, all sorts. Um, if you have a store like that in your town, go look and jot down some of the names of the people who have stuff in there and you can find them and contact them and say, hey, 
you know. I'm an Amazon seller. I'd love to see your stuff on Amazon. You never know where you're going to find it, and you have to keep your eyes open. Um, you may be at soccer practice and hear another mom talking about um, the new business she and her husband started. You stop, right? You never know what you might hear. Maybe a product you can bring to Amazon. You never, ever know. I even think you could find things at local craft fairs um, that could flip to Amazon. Of course, you don't buy them at the fair. You contact the vendors later or if they're not busy at the fair about buying wholesale from them and bringing their product to Amazon. Um, so, so there is product everywhere. But here's the thing. Every day you wait in contacting somebody is another day that someone else can swoop in and contact them before you. And in many, many cases, the early bird gets the worm. The first person in is going to get the account. So don't be that person that waits and procrastinates and waits. Um, maybe set a goal for yourself that you will at least make one contact a day. And that means sending that little form email to, to companies. The email is in the canned responses or canned letters in the file section. There's one that I use in there. Um, I don't go into too much detail when I start it. You just need to make that initial contact, and then the doors can open to more questions and all that. Um, so make it, make it a, one a day, one a week. Set a goal. Put it on a Post-it note. Stick it on your monitor. Stick it on the, um, the um, sun visor of your car. Stick it wherever you can see it, and just do it. Just do it. It's, it's not as hard and as scary as you think. And I want to dispel the myth from everybody that says you have to have a ton of money to start wholesale. I saw a post in our group yesterday, so I don't have the cash to start. The new account I opened up last week, minimum order was $125. So, you know, pull out some money from your retail arbitrage money and set it aside to do some wholesale buying. But in the end, the, the writing is on the wall. You will never move forward and grow this business to a point where it can be what you want unless you move to wholesale. I'm not going to even get into private label kind of thing um, because I am not a fan of that whole model. Um, I think if you're going to do something, you need to be clever and invent a product on your own kind of thing. But, um, but for the, the time investment and the money investment, wholesale is the way to go. You can find a new supplier in less time than it takes you to drive to Walmart. I bet you can. I really, you guys are smart. You guys are really smart people. So I am going to bet that you can, unless you live next door to Walmart, and we'll take that one out. For me, the closest Walmart's three hours away. So I could say, yeah, that would be pretty simple. But even if it's a half hour to your Walmart, by the time you get in the car, get there, park, get in, I bet you can find something. It, it, and like I said, it may not be the be-all and the end-all and the company-saving wholesaler, but it's a start. And you will find as you grow in your business, some wholesalers will fall off the map because their products don't move, their margins don't work, um, they're a pain to deal with. I've got one I quit just because they were a pain to deal with. Every shipment was wrong. Then they you know, were argumentative that, that, you know, oh, yeah, they had the right number in the box, you know, that kind of thing. I just, there's a point where it's not worth it, you know. Um, so, um, so really, you guys are smart. You can find them. You really can. Um, we are at a, such, a, such an advantage now with the Internet being able to, um, to find almost anything in our fingertips. I remember when I had my brick-and-mortar store, um, to find new suppliers, you had to go to the library and find business registers and phone books. And, you know, you'd look at ads in the back of magazines that are now basically six months old from the time the magazine was published to try to find new stuff. It is a whole different world now. It's faster and easier, which means that it's easier for everybody. Um, Kind of if you had to go to the library, that put a lot of people off just to begin with. But now from your phone or your tablet or your computer, anybody can find this information. And that's why it's really critical to not wait. 
to not wait. I've got a, my biggest supplier has is not taking on any new Amazon sellers because they have enough, and they have people who carry the whole thing. Yeah, Ed Thomas Register. That's it, Thomas Register. Yep. Um, I remember. I think it had a blue cover too. I'm trying to remember going to the Kaneohe Library in Hawaii and looking looking it up there. So anyway, um, yeah, get there first. Get there. Um, one thing about being first is you can make good listings then, which really does help. Um, build those relationships with your suppliers. Um, Ed was just in New York City. We saw his great pictures from, he went to Broadway and saw Statue of Liberty. But Ed, why didn't you piggyback a day at a trade show on your trip to New York City? Karen, New York and Vegas are the trade show capitals of the world. Um, but that, that's what I would, I would think of doing. If I'm going on a pleasure trip like that, I think, because then there's part of it you can write off. Um, you can send Linda off to, you know, Macy's or, or Barney's or wherever that she wants to shop while you do the trade show thing, you know. Think about that on your trips as you go, go with family or whatever. You know, you can take a day and let the family do something on their own, and you can, you can get the trade show action in, too. Um, so anyway. Um, the second half that we're going to talk about are some questions that Kay, um, um, Kay brought up. Ed, Ed said that. I didn't know your son went too, Ed. Oh, that's great. I thought it was just you and Linda, but he said his son went and they had a full schedule. But great point. So maybe in the future, stay an extra day and, and do it, you know, because it'll be worth it. It'll totally be, be worth it. And you guys up in the Midwest that can drive to Chicago for shows, have a great advantage to um, to be able to get to them. Um, so anyway, second point uh, of the day that we're going to talk about is um, is these pushback points that you might get as you start getting into negotiations with wholesalers. And Kay made a great list of them um, about pushback things and what can you do about it. Um, so I'm going to go through the list. There's six of them. And I'm going to tell you, because I've, I've actually experienced every single one of these. So um, tell you what I've done. And you guys may have some ideas, too, that you can um, um, share in chat. And I can, I can pass them on this way. So let's get this note out. I actually have the notes. So the first one is you approach a wholesaler, and they say, we don't want any Amazon sellers at all. And I've got a few of those. Um, my first question is why, you know, why don't, you know, cause I want to know, is there, is there a particular reason? Maybe there's something that they know that I don't know, um, about, um, about selling their product on Amazon. So we don't want Amazon sellers at all. Um, some, I have had someone say, that's not who we are selling our products on Amazon. Now, mind you, this woman invented a knitting gadget, um, so it's not like she's curing cancer or anything, but that's not who we are was the answer. Um, and I had purchased her products at a trade show. Um, I said, you know, my selling platform is Amazon, and she sold them to me. And I sold out of these products, like, within a week because it it's a really good product. came in four colors. Um, sold out of them quickly. But then she decided, I don't she must have talked to somebody, or she had brick-and-mortar stores complain that her products were on Amazon. Um, this is one that you, you, you know, you can either, if you think it's a great product and you feel like there is some sort of um, reasoning ability with the other person, you can explain that, you know, Amazon doesn't devalue products. If it did, there wouldn't be companies like Nikon and, and um, those kind of companies selling it. Apple computers wouldn't be on there, you know? I mean, the big companies would not be selling their products on a platform that they feel devalues it. It's not like you're selling a high-end product on Walmart. Amazon doesn't have the same connotation in buyer's mind as Walmart does. I could see where she might not want her thing on Walmart. Um, just because of that whole kind of Walmart um, feeling on people. But, but you need to find out what their objection is. Why don't they want it on Amazon? Some think 
that a third-party seller is someone is Amazon themselves. They don't understand how Amazon really works. You know, with that that there are Amazon selling products, and then there are third-party sellers, and then this whole FBA thing they don't get at all. So, you know, it becomes your job to educate them how it works. Um, I had one vendor who I sold their products for years, and she changed her mind and didn't want them on Amazon anymore, except if they were merchant fulfilled. Now, she said, oh, you can sell our products on Amazon, but you can't have Amazon ship them. That one kind of took me back, and this was on the phone, and she wasn't a nice person anyway, but um, only if you ship them. And I asked, what is the difference? And she says, well, it's not fair if Amazon ships them. And I said, why is it not fair? She says, I don't know. It's just not fair. And I said, well, it's the same thing as if I ship them, except the customer gets them faster. So, you know, whether they buy it on Amazon and I ship it myself or they ship it from an Amazon warehouse, it's actually better for the customer. She says, well, the customer can't return anything then. She, she was just like she had no clue, you know. And we were on the phone for like three hours. And I kept trying to explain how it worked. If this scenario happens, then this is what the customer gets. I, you know, I said it's actually better for the customer to have Amazon fulfill the orders because, because they get them there faster in most cases than we can. Um, anyway, Wendy, I don't think it's the box. I don't think they didn't want Amazon's box going to the customer because it was okay if I fulfilled it myself. She didn't know what kind of box I was using. She just, she did not understand and then had this wall up in her head that she wasn't going to understand no matter what. Um, so, you know what, I just, it's like, fine. Fine, you can, you can go ahead and do whatever. And I've moved on and found other stuff. There are some points where you just have to realize it doesn't matter. You aren't going to win. Um, I, I can imagine she would have been difficult on every step of the way. If customers got anything damaged, God forbid, it would be Amazon's fault, of course, you know. Or if it was missing a part, I'm sure she'd blame Amazon anyway. Um, so there are some times when they say they don't want any Amazon sellers, there is no logical way that you can get around it. And for me, that's really, really frustrating because I pride myself on being able to explain things and articulate why it works and all that. But there are some times where you just can't get past it. And you just have to realize you can't get past it. Um, so. Uh, those kind of people, you need. You, so, number one, if they don't want any Amazon sellers, you have to find out why they don't, and then um, see if you can offer solutions um, that negate those reasons why they don't, and move forward. And sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. I've had I've had some wins in some of them too, where once someone understood um, how it all worked, then they were happy, you know. And then there's some that you'll find which bless them who know that Amazon is the future. I've got one woman in Texas who developed a line of products. Um, I found her at a trade show, um, developed this line of products, and she realizes Amazon is the future because not everybody has a craft store around the corner to find her product. And if it's not on Amazon, it's going to be difficult for people to get it. Um, so she is embracing the whole Amazon thing. And we went through the brand registry just last month with her and got her brand registered and all that kind of stuff. So, so there are those who will embrace the future. Um, I found it doesn't really matter age um, because she's probably in her 50s. So you can't say, well, yeah, she's a millennial and she gets it all. Um, the woman who doesn't want any Amazon sellers is in her 30s. So I don't think age has anything to do with it. I think it's an awareness of how business is changing. So, um, the next one Kay said is um, the the wholesaler says we're okay with Amazon sellers, but you need to have a brick and mortar or an e-commerce site. Um, first of all, I would never start a brick and mortar store um, just to get an account. But depending on how valuable the account is, I might start an e-commerce site. I'm right smack in the middle of doing it right now. Um, not 
just for this reason, but this is one of the reasons, Kay, is because I have a vendor who who I bought from for years, but they changed their policy and they will sell to Amazon sellers if they have a standalone e-commerce site. So, you know, I've been slowly working on it. I have my logo contest is now down to the finalists. So this week I'll pick the winner of that and then I can I already have the domain bought and then I can start moving forward. I even have some inventory I can put up um, from some of my existing suppliers that I bought specifically when they were having a sale to hold it for, for the e-commerce site. So depending on how much you want this account, it may be worth it. And here's the thing, what do they need from an e-commerce site to work? I would ask that. Some may just say, well, just a website's fine with information about your company and you could link to your Amazon store. Others may want a shopping cart situation. Um, so, um, so you need to be clear before you get in any deeper in developing it that you're clear with this vendor. What is it they actually will require? And I would ask them via email so it's, it's memorialized in writing, so to speak, um, that if you develop a standalone website with a shopping cart or whatever requirements they do, that they will open up a wholesale account for you that will allow you to sell both on that standalone site and on Amazon, um, just so you don't go to all the trouble of making the site and then they change their mind. Um, so Wendy's asking, it's a weird requirement. Reseller needs to have a standalone site. I don't quite understand the logic of it either, and maybe because I'm looking at it through Amazon glasses, I don't, I don't understand it either. Um, so um, Wendy said, "Well, make them think so we can manage our own site better than Amazon can manage theirs." Yeah, that's a very good point too. Um, if, if if anybody has an idea, any ideas why? resellers might use that as a requirement to sell on Amazon. I'd love to hear your thoughts because I'm not, I don't know why. And maybe if I run across it, I'm going to a trade show in two weeks. Maybe if I run across it there, I'll ask. And I'll ask this one that I'm working on. Um, I haven't told them I'm building it so I can get back in their company because that's not the only reason. But I'll ask them why, why the requirement. So we'll see. Um, Ed says he has a brick and mortar, but he only ships from it. So, Ed, Ed, explain what you mean. So, you tell people you have a brick-and-mortar store, but it's only ship. You don't have customers. I don't understand how that works. Um, so, anyway, we'll see what Ed comes up with. So, um, so yeah. So, so this is a case where you have to decide whether it's worth it, and maybe ask them why that's the requirement. I mean, you know, and ask from a, a place of wanting to know not to not being argumentative because you know there's two different ways to ask this question you know you know you can say i'm really curious from my own knowledge why you feel the 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 e-commerce site is important for me to have in order to sell on amazon and i ask and see what they say you know it's um yeah sometimes none of it makes sense and it could be a lot of these people have heard one person require it and then all of a sudden they all jump on the bandwagon, right? Well, well, Susie Smith's company makes you have an e-commerce site before you can sell on Amazon, so I'm going to do that too. But they don't know why. And maybe Susie Smith had a logical reason, but this other person doesn't. So um, the next number three that Kay had was, we already have enough Amazon sellers and do not wish to add any more. Um, this goes back to my case of getting early because you want to be one of those ones that they have but not adding more. But if you're at the point where, yeah, they say, we only want five Amazon sellers. Um, we don't want to take on any more. There's a couple tacks you can take. Um, one, kind of the, the passive one is to say, well, if you change your mind, will you contact me? Or would you mind if I got back to you in a couple months and see if things have changed? Um, because I wouldn't count on them to get back to you. Um, or you could be a little pushier and say something like, well, could we do a test with five of your products? Because um, I run Amazon-sponsored products. I'm not sure if your other suppliers do. 
But we found that when I run sponsored product ads, it increases sales of a product X percent. You know, have that number before you jump in. Um, and, and explain to them that the advertising comes out of your budget, not theirs. And would they be willing to give it a try to see how it works? What's the worst they can say? No. They've said no already. They don't want any more. But, but maybe the fact that you have agreed to advertise their products um, or you teach them about the ads that you're, you can run, they may, they may change their mind. Or they may not. You never know. But, but you need to find what is it that you can do different um, that might tip them over to take you on even though they think they have enough? Do you have a great social media following? That could be another one. I have 7,000 followers on my Instagram you know, they're very, very active. They, they buy lots of XYZ products, um, whatever, you know, or if you have a YouTube channel or a Facebook group page or business page or whatever. But you have to find out what you do or what you can do that will set you apart from those other people that are already in there that maybe they'll allow you in because you're going to do something a little different. And to me, the easiest one is the ads because I find most most of my competition doesn't run ads, at least in my niche. Um, so that may be the one to try. And there, here's the thing. You could flat out ask them, what can I do to convince you to take me on as a seller? Right? They may have something that they want people to do that they're not doing. Um, they may have products that, that would work perfectly in bundles. And if you've researched that ahead of time, you can say, we will combine this product and this product into a bundle on Amazon because we know that people, lots of people who buy one of those buy the other. And let's make it easier for them to do it. That may be something that nobody else is doing that may set you apart. So find that unique selling point for you and your business to convince them to let you in the door. So um, the next one is we are reducing the number of Amazon sellers as we are having issues with map policy violations. Ooh, I just went through this one recently too. And in, in the end, it worked out great because once you got in, um, they were brutal on the people who didn't stick to map and they stopped selling to them. So that was genius. So that was the easy way for a vendor to get rid of people who um, violate MAP is just quit selling the product to them. That's the easy one. That'll either snap them in the line quickly or they'll go away. Um, so this is where you need to be smarter than everybody else if they say that. And you need to explain to them how they can help, um, they can work with MAP issues. Do they have a formal MAP policy that you have to sign when you um, buy from them? If they don't, they should, and explain that to them. And you can find lots of um, examples online. The, the reseller that I just went through this with, um, it's the one about two years ago I helped them get brand registered, and they gave me a $300 store credit for basically giving them the link to the page. Um, and then they, they started had tons of map issues. So they had a, a lawyer draft a formal map agreement um, that basically said, this is what you have to do. Um, you know, it went through the whole thing about, you don't have to sell it for that price, but you can't advertise it for less than this. You know, you, that's why you see in many cases, you know, add to shopping cart for price because they can't advertise the price until you're going to buy it. You'll see that price too low to mention. That's another giveaway that it's a map deal. So you have to go in to see the price because they can't put it in a newspaper flyer or whatever. So, if this, again, if this is an account you want, explain to them how you can help them. You know, you can point them to some, some um, forms about having their vendor sign MAP. You can say, I will be the first one to sign the MAP agreement if everybody else does because I wouldn't be the only one to sign it if they don't require everybody to sign it because you've tied your hands then. Um, but um, but there again, offer them more, offer them help with it. There are software solutions. I don't know, you know, if they're having hundreds of people doing this with problems, and if they do, 
if they're selling to hundreds of wholesalers to sell on Amazon, they've let it get out of control and they need to cut that down anyway. Um, because unless you're a major brand name, you don't need 100 sellers on Amazon. You need a few that will keep the product in stock all the time. Because as Ron says, no matter how many McDonald's there are in a mall, they're only going to sell so many hamburgers. They'll just sell less at each McDonald's in that mall until they hit that total number of hamburgers. So having more Amazon sellers does not mean they will sell more products. And I, this, that's a hard one for people to understand that if you have three Amazon sellers or two Amazon sellers, even one Amazon seller that always keeps that product in stock to the best of their ability, you will sell as many as the market will bear. You aren't going to sell more because you have 20 sellers. And let's assume you have MAP in place and they all have to be at the same price, $30. You aren't going to sell more just because there are more sellers. Um, the too many sellers is the number one reason for the race to the bottom. The undercutting, the undercutting, the undercutting because everybody's panicking because they're all holding this product and they just feel they've got to get their money out of it. So, um, so a, a vendor who's decided to reduce the number of sellers because they're having issues with MAP is a good thing for you if you can convince them that you're one of the people that should be allowed in because you understand MAP, you can help them with MAP, um, you can point them to software solutions that anytime their, their brand shows up at less than what they put in as a MAP, they get an alert. And, you know, explain to them, how to deal with it. And the easiest way to deal with it is don't sell to those people anymore. They've not proven that they're going to stick to the agreement, so why would you keep selling to them? But anyway, so you be the smarter person. You help them with a the map issue, and it will probably help you get the account. So number five is we have an exclusive with one Amazon seller and do not need another one. You know, that one, all I would say was, that's great. It's so smart that you did that. Um, but can I give you my card so if something happens with the other ones, other seller, you can think about me? Do you mind if I follow up, you know, every couple months to see where you stand on this? Um, you know, here's the thing. I do have some integrity. So I don't uh, – I wouldn't want somebody trying to steal that exclusive because the word exclusive means that they have a legal agreement. And I don't want to be the person to try to do that. But if something goes wrong with it, I mean, it could be that that company goes out of business or they decide not to sell on Amazon or whatever. You want to be able to step in then. But there's a point where you don't argue that one and you can just say, I totally understand, but I'd like to be considered if something changes in the future. Um, so I'm looking at Leo. says, we have three potential accounts now with MAP issues that they can't control. Violators will not raise their price to MAP. Yeah, and so they need to just not sell to those people anymore. Um, they need to control their supply chain so they don't sell to them. Um, if they've not signed any um, legal, uh, you know, like a, signing a document, when I purchase from a company's with MAP now, I have to sign something. If they haven't done that, they need to put that in place now um, and just stop selling to those um those people who do that because they've not proven themselves trustworthy, you know, and let somebody in there who will follow the rules and, and all of that um, make it easier for them. Um, it happens, I think it happens when companies get excited that all these retailers want to start carrying their product and they don't vet them at all. They're just so excited that somebody wants to start carrying it that they have not thought about MAP at all and then they realize the price is going down, 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 and now they're trying to close the door after the barn door after the horse is out, which is really hard to do. But I know it can be done because my com the company that I helped did it. And now they're down. They have like five Amazon sellers because they, um, they locked those down to the people who stuck with MAP. Even through thick and thin, I stuck with MAP, even though there were people – in the toilet, I kept one product in stock at MAP just to keep things alive, and they noticed it. Um, so only those people who played by the rules are now on Amazon. They quit selling to all the others. They locked down their supply chain a lot better, um, and they learned a lot from it. 
you know, to have control. They raised their minimums too, which was interesting. It used to be they had a dollar minimum. Now they have a piece minimum. It's a hundred units of each of their items. Um, and they wholesale, um, um, they wholesale for like 13 bucks. So it's not unsubstantial now um, to place an order from them, but I sell like 150, 200 a month. So that's fine. Now that they've got the math issue fixed, that we're all on a level playing field. Interestingly enough, I'm the only one who's FBA, which makes it way better. So, um, yeah, Ed says hates it that people don't enforce MAP. It's like if you're going to have it, you have to enforce it. You cannot say we have a MAP pricing policy and then just let it go because that's, that's not only disingenuous to the people who follow it, it's just bad business. Don't say you're going to do something and then don't do it. Either yank the map and say it's the Wild West and have prices end up in the toilet for your product or enforce it. But don't go halfway and say, yes, we have it, but we won't do anything about it. So anyway, um, Leah, I assume that may be the problem you're having. Um, they're not, they're, they don't want to be tough and cut off these people from buying anymore um, because that is the, the, by far the easiest solution. And, you know, they need to understand that if everybody's at that same level map price, they're going to sell the same number of units. You know, it's, it's, it, it's hard for the manufacturers and the wholesalers to understand how the retail side works. And that's why it's kind of scary when they, they start to um, get into selling retail, which is Kay's last question was, we sell direct to Amazon and don't need a third-party seller's help. That one, I'd say thank you very much, and um, give me a call when Amazon holds your money for 120 days, um, because they will. And there is a whole document in the file section about what to say in this exact situation. Um, so I, I don't want to repeat, go over it step by step, but basically there are, there are several things that, um, especially if they're new selling to Amazon, um, that they will wake up and smell the coffee. One is Amazon can, you know, all those customer returns that we get that we have to eat, Amazon doesn't eat them. They return them to their, their vendors. That's part of the vendor's agreement. The link to the vendor's agreement is in that file in the file section. And if you read it, it's kind of frightening what Amazon will do. Amazon can place a purchase order, say, for 1,000 units, and then change their mind and take 100. And they have, according to this agreement, they have the right so what happens if you're a small company and you made 1,000 units based on Amazon buying them, and now they only want 100 and you're stuck with the other 900? Um, Amazon has the right to return product that doesn't sell. Amazon has the right to return customer returns. Amazon will hold your money. 90 days is not uncommon. I had one person tell me that it took them 120 days to get four months to get their money, um, three months. No, that's four months. Four months to get their money from Amazon after Amazon had the product. Not from when Amazon ordered it, but from when they had it in the warehouse. Um, so it seems all well and good um, to uh, companies, oh, well, you know, now we're selling to Amazon. Isn't this great? There are a lot of pitfalls. And if you have a, a vendor who's saying that, um, you may just want to point them to this document, the Vendors Express, and have you read this part carefully. You know, I had one vendor last, it was maybe it's two years ago, I can remember sitting in the grocery store parking lot talking to them because um, they decided after years and years of being supported by third-party sellers, including their original Kickstarter that helped them develop this art product, um, that they decided they were going to start selling to Amazon, you know, and I tried to warn Dave about these issues that would come up and all that. And he wasn't hearing anything of it. You know, he just wasn't hearing anything taught to top it off. They gave Amazon a bigger discount than they gave us third party sellers. And he was stupid enough to tell me that we got 50% off list. Amazon got 55 off. So there's one right there. And he had the nerve to say to me when we finished, he says, well, if it doesn't work out with Amazon, we'll let you come back and sell our product on Amazon. And I just said, Dave, you've got to be kidding. Do you really think after you screwed me over 
after I supported you from Kickstarter from the beginning, I made every product page that is on Amazon for you. All of this that I'm going to want to sell it after you threw me to the curb. I'm going to come crawling back. That one kind of flabbergasted me, that that he would think he was that important to to have someone come crawling back after he'd thrown him away. Well, no. And interestingly enough, the product ties really closely with the adult coloring niche. And I've watched the sales rank on their products, and – they their price is like half of what it was, meaning they look like a cheap product now instead of the premium product, and their rank has gotten higher and higher and higher, so they're selling less and less and less. So the bloom is off the rose because it was it's sort of a trendy product anyway. Um, but then to do that, tell your third party sellers, they had about a dozen of us selling on Amazon, all at Map because they had Map pricing and. They had everybody in place who did play by the rules on map, but, you know, they got greedy, I think. I I think that they really did, and um, it hurt them. And they weren't at the last trade show I went to, and they've been at every show since they launched the product on Kickstarter. So you can say what you want about that. So that's K6 questions about how to kind of get around what what vendors may say to you. Um, Take it all with a grain of salt. Some vendors, it may be worth it to fight with, and I don't want to say fight, to negotiate with on these terms. Others, it may not. My biggest account, and by far my biggest account, was one who was a number two, meaning they were okay with Amazon sellers, but you had to have a brick and mortar or an e-commerce site. And I kept after them at trade shows for three years, two shows a year for three years. And finally, they gave in and let me start selling on Amazon. And now they are by far my biggest company. And like for Christmas, I got a personalized uh, wooden crate full of food products from the Pacific Northwest um, because they're located in the Pacific Northwest. Pretty awesome. The wooden crate was branded with a company logo. And I mentioned to my rep about it, and he says, yeah, we only did 10 of those. So in their whole company, they only did 10 for people. So I must be moving a little bit of product from them, which is really nice. So, you know, maybe they were watching how my Amazon business was growing. I have no idea what made them change their mind, but I'm not going to question it because it's like a really good thing. So, okay, guys, so that's it for the day. I can't believe I talked for an hour all by myself. Um, That's fun. So we are scheduling a... um, Photo, uh, another photo webinar, seminar, live show that will also be um, recorded. And I'm looking for the exact day that we have it. Of course, I can't find it right now. Anyway, I will uh, I will put it in the group, but it's I believe in the next month. Um, it's going to focus one on just your general questions, and two, Ron's going to demonstrate all of the solutions that are out there in these little photo studios in a box from, you know, the uh, Folio to the Easy Cube to the Amazon and one Amazon cells. He's got Cloud Dome. He's got a whole, he's got them all pretty much. Um, and he'll demonstrate all of those and talk about um, where they work best and um, where another solution might be better for you. So um, look for that coming up. It, it, it is in the um, event section already in the group, but I can't get to that while I'm on this chat thing. So, um, so um, remember, you need to set a goal on contacting wholesalers, whether it's one a day, one, two a week, whatever. Set a goal and do it. The first one is the hardest. So let's get that first one over there. Spend that one trip to Walmart time to finding the wholesaler because you will be so happy when you get. So we'll see you guys in the group and have a great rest of the day and stay warm. It's cold here. It's 40 some degrees here and it's raining. So hope you're all having a great summer. So talk to you later. Bye-bye.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.